0: We had hired a chef and we barely got orders. Some days we had no orders. And I was telling her that, you know, write down the recipes, put them in an Excel sheet, do the costing. And she was like, this is not why I joined. You know, I didn't join to sit on a desk. I joined to make cakes and she would tell me on my face that I'm bored. And that's the worst thing to hear from your employee because
1: That (laughs) that that hurts. I'm bored, you know,
0: that sentence, it hurts. And so, I learned that when you're not baking, you have to be selling.
2: Hello and welcome. This is Puneet Surana and you are listening to the Galata podcast. Galata is a word from the Indian language Kannada that means the noise caused by a ruckus. This podcast is about starting up while we are still in college testing ideas, creating a team, building something worthwhile and adding value to other people's lives. Join us as we discuss the thrill of earning your first buck, tackling uncertainties, overcoming obstacles and delighting others. Most of all, the Galata podcast is about seeing, understanding and implementing so you can deliver on your audacious promise. I'm so thrilled about this episode. Our guest started up by sneaking in and selling cupcakes during her class breaks at Christ University, testing new concepts in campus stalls and her apartment events, gaining industry experience post her graduation, and finally returning to her dream project. When she isn't baking, she is busy selling she is a passionate writer, real maker and soon to be a horse rider. So boys and girls, please join me in welcoming Meghna Jain.
3: Hi, thank you.
2: The usual first question I ask Meghna is, what were the conversations around the dinner table when you were vacationing in the summers with your grandmom?
0: I don't remember that much mm-hmm. because... I was still very young till when she was healthy Mm -hmm. and so when I started getting older her health started really not doing so well but I do remember that she was very passionate about feeding us (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so whatever we really liked in terms of I always had milk with Bonvita, so there'd always be one kg of (laughs) Bonvita in my grandparents' house before I reached her. Uh Uh, I like Bhindi, lady's finger, so she'd make Bhindi every single time I came. Uh, So she was very extra in showing her love (laughs) and especially Mm -hmm. through food. Mm.
2: So Bhindi, Bonvita and dadi's...
0: Yeah, (laughs) and occasionally when I grew older and when I started understanding that she actually runs a business and stuff, then she would tell me some stories from her business, which also I didn't think at that time was very extraordinary, but now I recount them as quite um, crazy.
2: Did you just say crazy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for lack of a better adjective.
2: Care to elaborate?
0: So to give you some context, she ran a garment cottage industry from her home. Mm. So she used to make Jaipuri garments and sell them in a shop that she had rented in Delhi as well as in the Rajasthan Emporium. And she would mainly go for exhibitions across the country, sell them there. So through one of the exhibitions she went for, she was telling me how She was staying alone in the hotel or the the accommodation and someone called her through the intercom Mm -hmm. and said that uh, they are going to come into the room in a threatening manner. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And so she, instead of, you know, getting scared or anything like that, that was not the age of mobile phones that you could just call the police. She said, why don't you dare come in? Mm -hmm. I have a gun on me. I have a silencer. (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: And so that's why I call them crazy because who said Very audacious, that?
2: yeah? <laughs> yeah, who What did the guys, that? did you just skip the call? Yeah, they cut the call. <laughs> cut, the call.
0: <laughs> cut the call and nobody came in. But yeah, I'm sure she didn't have a silencer on her. Or uh, a gun. It was very hard yeah. to procure a gun. <laughs> yeah. But that's how she was. And so I always looked at her in a manner that she, she portrayed... Bravery in not just running a business, but also how her own personality was.
2: She was into rugs and carpets and...
0: No, not carpets. And... Uh, garments. Clothing. Mm-hmm. Clothing. So, Jaipuri prints that have now come into the market to become very commonplace. was something that she used to deal with. Clothes for males, females, children. Jackets. At one point of time, when my father was also involved in the business as he was growing up. Uh, They created the reversible jacket Mm. and that was a a one-of-a-kind thing at that time. So he's still very proud of that creation when he sees people wear the reversible jacket. Um, She had an eye for what type of patterns, what type of designs. I remember she had a whole box full of different types of materials and cloths. And ah, like a mini uh,
2: library.
0: Uh, yeah, mini library, library. And she would have cutouts from magazines because, mm-hmm. again, there was no phone, there was no Google at that time. You couldn't save things on Pinterest. And so it was just uh, cutouts of so many magazines mm-hmm. and newspapers. And wherever she saw a different style, she would save it. So that's how her life was.
2: Very resourceful. It's only yeah. now that you appreciate.
0: Yeah, it's only now that now that we have Instagram yeah. and we have the save button <laughs> that makes it so easy for us.
2: Did you ever get to work, in our uh, back to do something in your vacation? Because you used to remind me no, of. No,
0: I, did, I didn't work or do anything. I did watch though.
2: Mm-hmm. I sat
0: with the with the people who were knitting. I don't even know what you call them, the tailors, and okay. we used to call one of them Master G was the the main person, main person who cut the cloth. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were the others who would put the, would stitch on the glass. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like glass work on Mm -hmm. traditional Rajasthani clothes. So I would sit with those aunties and they would tell me stories. And uh, I really don't remember what they said. I (laughs) was very young. (laughs) But I just remember Pushpa (laughs) auntie (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Master Ji, and yeah.
2: Reminds me of my vacations. Uh, very similar to my Masi who ran a cooler factory in our house.
0: Cooler factory? Yeah. That's unique.
2: They got into it when I think they had three kids in and yeah, they are in their wow. early 40s. Wow. And they got into cooler factory. Uh, this was like in the middle of Purani Havili, old Hyderabad. Ah, and wow. my entire vacations was just sitting with these factory staff yeah. and building coolers. amazing Amazing to
0: see things made from scratch really that really gives you a very different perspective than to contribute in a large organization to such a large picture that you can't even see the output versus you're doing it in a very small space where you see the final product right there it's a different experience altogether
2: yeah I think at a very young age you get to see how things are made how things happen I still remember my Masi so, she, she used to take care of the entire factory and the house and she would take the customer calls yeah. and she would, she would manage all the workers. Did you have those experiences too where you would uh, be given work or held responsible? Or...
0: At my grandma's place? Yeah. No, I was no. too young. I was the I was youngest head, and she then closed the business about 10 years before she passed away
3: hmm.
0: and I was only maybe around 10-12 years at that time. So. Yeah, I didn't do, I didn't have the honor to do anything there, yeah.
2: But she continues to inspire you. I think that's very evident across all your sharings.
0: Yes, (laughs) she does, she does. Now we see her photos. We saw a photo with Vasundra Rajay Mm -hmm. visiting her place. And I don't know what actor it was. I didn't even know the actors of that time, Rajesh Khanna or someone... Mm -hmm. And uh, there were a lot of foreigners who came and faced orders with her. So, yeah, we see those photos and it's that's all we have left, you know, uh, those photos. And uh, sadly, these type of businesses, unless somebody in the family is continuing, they kind of finish with one generation. And that's what happened.
2: Yeah, we don't have a... A practice of archiving businesses.
0: Yeah, and especially are... in that day and age. I mean, today we have social media, we have camera phones. It's so easy to keep those memories. That day and age, you had to go to a studio to take a photo
2: <laughs> yeah. and
0: then get a print.
2: Wait 15 days and get a print. Yeah. <laughs> to the audience, I know Meghna from Christ. I remember vividly. Uh, having conversation or conversations with you and noticing you selling it at the bakery in the central block. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think even we fested together. I remember, yeah, vividly really? remember fest. we were against each other. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I did not fest very much, but I went for business plan competitions. Mm-hmm. But not like the, the best manager. manager. No, best manager, that's what, best manager was a very typical festing type of thing. Uh, I didn't do any of those. I went for business plan competitions. So mm-hmm. to actually not have a make-believe case study, but your own business yeah, yeah. that you are representing, that's the kind that I preferred and that's the kind that I went for and had the privilege of winning some of them. Representing ourselves more than the university, okay. I did. People could participate even if they weren't part of the new university and I felt that that was the best part of that.
2: It made it more realistic. Yeah. Yeah and harder yes. to win against. Yes. I remember losing against you then. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Was this your first venture or did you have um... So I
0: had something called the Cupcake Booth. Yeah.
2: But uh, did you anything before Cupcake we get to Cupcake Booth? No. Not at all?
0: No. I mean, maybe some stalls, you know, in apartments selling, I don't know, bookmarks or something. I really don't remember. When we were very young, we used to sell uh, lemonade for sure. i sold lemonade. Tell but, me more. Uh, there isn't much interesting. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's not without y- me. This is a
2: weird <laughs> thing. Um, you're, you and I are married, A lot of my listeners aren't. So we have the seed of uh, selling and handling money, managing resources, Yeah. put in really early.
0: Yeah. I am Marwani, but my family is not very much like that because my parents both have jobs. They are not business people. And they moved away from the family pretty early on. Uh, of course, we're very close to them, but geographically we were away. So we never had that family business kind of orientation. Or, you know, like you're we saying, handling money very early on. I didn't have any of that. That These lemonade stalls were just something that, you know, we friends would do on Diwali, or we had something called Monsoon Mela in our okay. apartment. So we would get together and make some bookmarks and make, I don't know what, uh, the, some keychains and things and lemonade and just sell. And now that I think of it, I think we used to sell like Pepsi and. <laughs> <laughs> five five rupees in a cup and yeah so that was my only thing but the only time i really started selling something was cup like seriously selling. seriously yeah. yeah
2: first year second year i remember
0: second year mm. started selling in second year Supplying to the cafeteria a little after initially i was getting it to my classroom Mm -hmm. And we had a class WhatsApp group and we put up uh, photos and I got one of my friend's friend who had a camera, a DSLR. She came home and I remember I had a deal with her for 200 rupees a session. (laughs) 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 Which in today's world is so, even in that day's world, I don't know how she agreed. She just got like herka khana at my house and she took photos and those photos are so good like I'd still happily use them. Uh, And we put up those photos on the class whatsapp group and then got orders and started selling in class. And uh, then we, uh, one of the teachers said you know it's not allowed. How
3: did
2: you get caught? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Caught? I did it once or twice.
2: And then... You got caught twice.
0: No, I did it once or twice. I sold in class Correct. once or twice.
2: So, you sold how in did the you... sense
0: I took orders before.
2: And you took the money before in then. Uh,
0: yeah. Correct. And then in the class, because what happens is if you're carrying so many cupcakes with frosting, they'll get damaged. So, I would carry the cupcake separately and the frosting separately and do the frosting right before I passed it on to that person.
2: So, how did it work? You, you put this pictures from your friend on WhatsApp group yeah and then your friend sent so like a it, poll or something
0: i said you know how many people want to order please mm. message me and so people said i want i want i want one vanilla, one red velvet two of this three of this whatever whatever and then uh, i took the entire count baked overnight for all of these
3: overnight okay. yeah
0: because i had one oven mm-hmm. that one oven could fit about nine regular size cupcakes and 16 mini cupcakes Oh, no, 9 regular or 16 mini. So, you had to go in batches. And uh, there were around 70 people in the class. But mm-hmm. more than 90 orders the first time. Wow. So, I could not carry all of this with the frosting. And so, I carried the cupcake separately and the frosting separately. And I went in the BMDC bus.
2: You used to travel in bus to college in So
0: Yeah, my dad would drop me to the bus stop and I would go in the bus. And mm. then uh, walked from dairy circle to Christ, <laughs> and from the gate to our block, which was all the oh, way on
3: I the other side. side. Yeah. <laughs> and still reached by what eight thirty? Yeah, nine
0: whatever.
3: Nine, one yeah. minute before uh, Shut he the <laughs> shuts the door.
0: <laughs> and then took it to class, and in between the breaks. so we would have fifty-five minute periods or fifty minute periods, yeah. and in there was ten minutes. I would pass on the cupcakes to whoever ordered. be Like, okay, pass to the first row, pass to this row, that row. And take the money. And so I did that for a few times until one teacher saw, because it was a big elaborate arrangement yes. to have so many cupcakes and frosting and everything. She saw all that under my desk. Because she was walking up and down the aisle. So obviously anybody will see it. And then she was like, what is this? Where are your books? What's going on? has like uh, I'm selling cupcakes (laughs) and then she uh, said this is not allowed this university doesn't allow promotion of any products from outside which I thought was fair and I said okay I'm sorry I won't do it my classmates on the other hand said this is not fair why are you not allowing her so so many people businesses. Yeah, Yeah, businesses people actually stood up and they were like no you should allow her And so that's when I got a little encouraged to speak to another professor
2: who... Name dropped.
0: No, Rishikesh sir. I I say that very often. Uh, Rishikesh sir connected me to the cafeteria Mm -hmm. uh, where there was one shop that he knew who agreed to keep the cupcakes. And in hindsight, he kept it just out of goodwill because he was getting a 5 rupee commission out of every cupcake. (laughs) So it was barely anything for him. Mm And that's how it went, and then I started every Monday supplying to the cafeteria, and they would buy from there, and that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe, while you were, uh, I think, pursuing or had already pursued the cupcake, I was telling my team, look, there's a clothing store right next to it. I gotta put our hoodies and t shirts in there. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you sold your hoodies and t shirts? Yeah, I did that for five years. Oh,
3: wow. Yeah. That's
0: a long time. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. So, did, did you, you didn't get into the...
2: No, I right? could not uh, get into that store, the campus uh, store, but I could get into pretty much every department.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That's the main thing, right?
2: Correct. WhatsApp uh, and yeah. CRs, class reps for yes. the listeners. Yeah. 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 So. Nice. Very. He took a 5 rupee commission.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was a 50 rupee believe.
2: Hmm. How was your first profit like? How did you feel? And how much was it?
0: I don't know. But it would have been some two-digit number. But yeah, I felt great. Like, I always counted the money, I used to have much thrill
3: counting in, the in money. counting,
0: literally counting notes. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in stalls because it's quite a rush at that time and people come and you know, you're giving change and this that and you have this money box and you throw all, <laughs> all the cash inside and yeah. a day before the stall, my dad would go to the bank and literally get Change for me ten rupee notes in, <laughs> <laughs> in exchange of you know like a five hundred or a thousand so that I would have enough change to give the card. That's very hard to get. Yes, yes, very hard to get. get. <laughs> but we do those things. I mean, any business person will understand how precious yeah. change is. In today's world, it's different because of Google Pay and Correct, things. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but that time, uh, that time was coins and notes, and uh, at the end of the day, no matter how tired my mom and I would sit and count <laughs> count the money and so that would be a very pleasing thing and I don't know what I did with it honestly speaking I don't think I ever spent it I think mean, I just saved it uh, <laughs> but yeah felt good if your question is how do you feel felt great
2: it's a hard to describe feeling yeah. to Even if tell people it's your own money. Yeah. yeah. It's a very Especially at difficult... a time
0: when nobody else is making
1: money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today, if I made only 20 rupees, that would be pro- problematic. But uh, as a student, it's very pleasing.
2: I can't agree more. This mm-hmm. is during lunch break when you would have like what 10,000 students yeah. walk through that main road of Christ yeah. University, and so many of them would stop around, and you have to like 20 30 second. You have to do a transaction. Yes, yes, yes. So the stools or the fest booths were the main place for you to market in the early days
0: and events. No, not necessarily. How did you go
2: about getting orders then?
0: At that time, I was doing only cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And just within my own friend circle and putting it on their class groups and my class group. And because Christ has such a huge population, every class has 70, 80 people. So between that was more than enough to sustain. Plus, I would also go to apartment, group, uh, apartment stalls. That was a big thing at that time.
2: Tell me more.
0: That time, now it has become such that there are flea market organizers Mm -hmm. what they do is they basically pay the apartment something and then they get sponsors and so it's become very very expensive for the residents themselves to actually sell now they mostly get vendors from outside and vendors like a dominoes or things in those days the apartment association would organize it themselves and so, all these chutku putkus, uh, kids and the aunties who like to make pakodas and charts and It would be a very community-driven mm-hmm. event. So, that was where I really got a lot of encouragement from my neighbors. One of my neighbors was the one who originally taught me also. Mm. So, she taught me baking and then she would also have a stall and I would also have a stall. And of
2: cupcakes and cakes. Yeah, oh.
0: cupcakes. Um, Cookies, brownies, although it was mainly cupcakes, but the lemonade was still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would sell lemonade at that time. I realized that beverages are very profitable.
2: Very pro- Oh, look at you. <laughs> now you're going appreciate so, lemonade
1: days.
0: <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah, that's how it was. And so we'd keep these stalls and especially if it's our own apartment, they would not even charge us rent or charge us very nominal wow. rent. So, sales would be through that. Sales would be through college WhatsApp groups. And that was more than enough to keep me busy as a student. We were not being over-ambitious.
2: How did you get your other two friends in early days at Christ?
0: So, I think that it was because of the business plan competition Mm -hmm. that I realized that this is not something I can do on my own. And because it had all this criteria where we had to have a finance plan we had to have a marketing plan and those were not my areas of expertise i knew how to bake and that's that was the only skill i really had and of course these were my best friends i would share everything with them and we decided the name and we made our first email id (laughs) and we set up a facebook page and we decided okay now we have a business
2: (laughs) What was so, it name back then?
0: It was called the Boot. Okay. So our first poster for the stall also was hand-painted. Mm-hmm. It was just our childhood friends and I and in fact the girl who made the first poster, who painted the first poster is the one who made Dreamer logo today.
3: Ah. And
0: now we are looking at a rebranding new logo and things and she's gonna redo the logo, she's the same person. So many years later.
2: Fascinating, no? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's because of the first thing yeah. that you had to get them on board.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to get them on board. So one of them was um, doing her specialization in marketing. Mm-hmm. And so she was... She just automatically took on the marketing bit. Uh, she would post the photos on Facebook. And she made the business cards and uh, all of that. And then... One of them uh, was doing what uh, we called SEMA at that time, which was managerial uh, yeah. management accounting, and so she automatically handled all the finances. Mm-hmm. and Not that there were many finances to handle, but the few transactions that we had, we put it in a in a ledger and uh, made a
2: trial balance wow. <laughs> and made
0: like a future
2: projections, projections and predictions.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. She did uh, an amazing job and so did the one who did marketing. And then we all went uh, our own ways after we graduated. After
2: graduation.
0: Uh, but that kind of support was very helpful at that time.
2: Where did you get the incubation offer from around this time? And what made you...
0: We went for a fest, the first B-Plan competition ever, which was at NIT Trichy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, first people planned competition that we went to, not ever in the history, but that we went to, to NIT Trichy where the judges, there were three judges, one was from Indian Angel Networks, mm-hmm. one was from Mumbai Angels and there was one person who was, I believe, a corporate uh, employee and the uh, deal was that the people who win the first three spots would get an opportunity to be incubated.
2: What an teacher.
0: Uh, we came in the top three and we got uh, from Indian Angel Networks.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they asked us to visit their office. And uh, so their office was in Delhi. And uh, when I went in the summer for to meet my grandparents, mm-hmm. we went there and uh, my parents and I went. And he explained to us what incubation meant. That you'd have to register a company, you'd have to give some equity, it would be a 12 month process, okay. and they'd keep some milestones, mini milestones for us, and then they would put us in front of actual investors to raise money. That was at that time, of course, a very, an offer that looked to be great, a very tempting offer, but I just felt very daunted by those words, uh, you know, equity and incubation. If and you're a BCom student, hey. Yeah, no, but so what if you're a BCom student, right? You're pretty like, much aware um, of
2: these, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I,
0: I mean, of course, we have an edge over, say, a science student where they don't use these words on a regular basis. But if you're not in the business, then you may feel a bit uh, intimidated. And so, that's how I felt and I also felt that I maybe don't have the bandwidth because I was also going going into third year, I would have to write my...
2: So, it's in the middle uh, of your... It was, yeah,
0: it was in the middle of... uh,
2: Second and third year. Second and third Mm -hmm. year.
0: And so, I said, okay, I will graduate and then figure it out because along with my studies, I don't want to do this full time. So, he said, okay, as long as I'm here, our doors Mm -hmm. are open for you. Unfortunately, I didn't have the sense to keep in touch with him. <laughs> <laughs> but I Ouch. wasn't even looking for it after I graduated. I said, no, I will join the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And,
2: uh, what, what shifted? Because recently you did uh, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Women program yeah. Yeah. at NSR, CEL, um, I am Bangalore. A fascinating program for all the women listening here. Yeah check it up i'll add it in the show notes definitely, definitely. Yeah. what made you shift what made you do this um, this time around because it was very similar to an incubation program a cohort a classroom based thing
0: yeah uh, i mean incubation <coughs> wasn't classroom based it was solely focused on your business and then you have experts who are focused on growing your business because they also have some stake in it
3: correct they're the skin
0: in the game they're skill yeah. in the game but This program was a classroom program. Now, if you want access to funding and those things, that you get access to. There's also a huge difference because that was, they are betting on literally nothing, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Indian Uh, Indian Networks? Yeah,
0: Indian Indian Networks because we were so small. like Our revenue was just barely anything, right?
2: Did you feel like you weren't enough for them? No, no, no. no,
0: no. Everybody has different types of businesses that they invest in. And that program was made for this, this these type of people. Whereas the Goldman Sachs program is made for women who have a business between an X and Y size. You are not qualified or eligible to even apply for the program if you're not making that much in revenue. So you've already crossed the beginning startup ideation, Stage right. and you have been in Generate the business the for wow. a long time, and now you're going from a settled business to a scaling business. So that's the focus of that program, and that's why it was very, very different. Mm. And it was also a classroom where uh, professors are addressing 130 women at a time. Wow. So it's not specific to your business. If you ask specific questions, they would say this is a class, this is not a consulting. <laughs> because I and mean, yes. it's very valid because if 130 women ask about their real time problems and they are all facing real time problems these are not hypothetical questions that they are asking so uh, in that sense it was very different but it was very stimulating to be a part of that crowd it was great to you know do case studies again and read about businesses again because sometimes you lose the vision of what infatuated you to get into very entrepreneurship better. As college students, you read these stories on Your Story and Forbes uh, magazines and things. And and they don't cover how the person got there. They cover 18-year-old girl making 5 crores in revenue in the first year. That's going to be the headline. And I understand why they do that because it's uh, an eyeball catcher. But that is what gets you very infatuated by it as a young person. And when you get into business, you realize there's so much grind behind that one headline that sometimes you lose why you were interested in it in the first place. And this kind of environment at NSR cell, it focuses your vision and um, gives you that network, gives you access to those professors. Just unbelievable kind of experience. I'd recommend that everybody yeah. do it. If they and it's
2: not, choice. just apply. And yeah, just apply. Just at least apply
0: yeah there is a high probability of getting in because they do it a few times a year it isn't just once a year they do it two or three times
2: so, it's very hard to get it. i think they do an interview process and they have
0: yes they yeah. do have an application and then an interview process and then a the due diligence but i think you should give it a shot everybody should give it a shot
2: How did you navigate Christ's uh, strict, I think 85% attendance yeah, and back-to-back-to-back assignments? Some of them were really not required. (laughs) Most of them. And running cupcake booth.
0: The attendance thing, I was not a a student who who would skip class simply. (laughs) So it was really not that difficult for me. But
1: I was a bit
0: apprehensive about going for these competitions, especially because, like I said, it wasn't part of festing and it wasn't a representation of the college. You were almost representing yourself. And because you sign up in your own name and not the college's name, I didn't know whether I would get attendance for those events because the college wasn't sponsoring or the college wasn't sending us. So, I was actually lucky that some of the professors themselves Said, you know, this is a great opportunity. Don't miss it for something as silly as attendance. Uh, go. Like, they really pushed me. And I would have not gone. In school also, I was not a person who would just volunteer to do things or um, go for competitions. I'd rather just be in my comfort zone. And even though our application was suge- was selected, I didn't want to go. Honestly speaking, I didn't want to go. But my professor said, no Meghna, you go. Forget about attendance, you go, I'll take care of your attendance. Mm -hmm. And that was the push. And once that started, and actually more than selling cupcakes and all that, that did keep me very busy because that would be, say, on weekends, a night or so, where I had to stretch and bake. But more than that, what kept me busier was the business plan competitions themselves. And I would do a lot of it in class.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Most of us would.
0: (laughs) I know I make a very controversial uh, statement if any of my professors actually hear it out. But you get a lot of opportunities where there may be things that are being taught that are repeated or, uh, you know, maybe you just have a period that's free. But I, I started using all of that free time and once you start looking at it from that perspective, you realize actually you have a lot of free time. Yeah. Is this that we use the shield of excuses of CIs and assignments and homework and exams and say, well, we don't have any free time. But the fact that we're working, say, today my day started at 9 o'clock and it's going to be 8 o'clock now and I'm... Still going to continue here. Right now, we're working 12 hours in school. College used to work 9 to 4. That's and nothing. Four. We have so many hours remaining if you compare it that way. And so, time was not a problem. And when the push came that do you want to prioritize this over your degree uh, when the whole incubation opportunity came, then I said no. That, I may not have the time for that. I may not have the bandwidth for And I was clear about what I can manage and what I can't manage.
2: Your that comes across as a really interesting mentor to me. He's been like super encouraging through and through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think my parents get enough credit for how much they have supported me throughout this entire thing while pushing me to the forefront and saying, this is yours. We are there to support you, but this is yours. But the fact that somebody is even there to say we are there to support you, that itself gives you so much mental and emotional strength. That when I was moving to the new kitchen where we are sitting out of right now, and it was a big investment. And I was scared. I was scared to make that investment. I was scared to move to a bigger place and get all these interiors done. And because we were dipping into savings that we had, over the time that since we had started the business at that time also my dad said okay what's the worst that can happen you will lose this money fine no problem you come home we'll do something else you learned something now that's all and the fact that somebody can say that okay what's the worst that can happen and then you think about it and you say okay that's the worst but i will still have a place to sleep i will still have food to eat that privilege is there and, the, and if we can't take risks on the basis of that privilege, then what are we doing? Okay. How long can we stay in that comfort zone? My dad, he said something when I was scared of uh, moving here. Mm-hmm. He said, Meghna, fortune favors the bold." Mm. And then I was like, okay, I'm not scared anymore. So, people who have a very strong impact on your mind and your mental health and everything they can really change what yeah. what you feel from one line and from their attitude towards you
2: who have been some individuals like that in your life i see your dad's clearly one
0: my dad my mom my mom for sure my best friends they've been very 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 supportive they've been cheerleaders They started the business equally with me in college. But because it so happened that I continued it, they don't get as much credit in the whole story. Yeah. But uh, they've never been bitter about it. You may have a lot of friends and uh, they they may be a huge army of supporters. Uh, Even through Instagram, there are people messaging me Say, you know, your story is so inspiring, you're this. And I do acknowledge and I love that, love that, the validation that we're getting. But at the end of the day, if you really feel self-doubt or if you feel, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Why am I working so hard? At those points of time, there are just a handful of people that you can speak to. And I'm lucky that I have that handful.
2: Have your parents been always so supportive unconditionally or was there a phase that...
0: My parents have always been very supportive Mm -hmm. about whatever I wanted to do in my career. When I started baking, (laughs) my father was a little bit apprehensive about the usage of egg. Mm -hmm. Because we uh, we are vegetarians, we don't use egg or bring egg home. And when I got into baking, I was introduced to it by a person who said that baking cannot be done without eggs. Correct. So I was on the fence. I was like, you know, I love making these things. And if they can't be done without eggs, then why can't we just get eggs? And so there, there was a friction and there, was, there were some fights at home. And he said very clearly that when you move out of here and you get your own space, you do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, you move the business out of home, you do whatever you want. But... Till you are selling from home and you are doing it under my roof, there will be no eggs here. And now, in, in retrospect, it doesn't seem like a very big deal, but at that time, it was the biggest problem in my life.
2: Maybe now it's the USP that you now have. Now it's the
0: USP, and, <laughs> and he doesn't leave any opportunity to remind me that it's the USP. <laughs> so, that was perhaps the only time where we had a real difference in opinion. But at all other times, with respect to my career, they've always been super, super supportive.
2: Fascinating how a limitation has become a growth opportunity for you.
0: Yeah, I probably didn't expect it. But there's a lot of trust in us from our customers. Because they know that no matter what, we will not get egg in the kitchen. So there's no... Possibility. Uh, Possibility. There's no scope of confusion. Correct. Uh, So they know that, you know, now now the reason why even when we move the business out of home and now we have our own space where we can practically do whatever we want, the reason why we haven't switched back to it is because there's no need. The market is there and the market trusts us. And the people who eat egg and have tasted our cakes, they are okay with eggless because they know they are eating a cake to have a celebration, Correct. not to consume protein from egg. Right. I think
2: that's what happened initially, right? The last yeah. five six years, people have pushed to become vegetarian because there's no other option. Mm. At least
0: there are options, but there's high chance of confusion mm. in that option.
2: Mm. How did you navigate egg though? Because I remember my sister saying, "Without eggs, it's so hard to mm. get the cake right." Mm. Get it. To feel, taste and be so soft. What all did you try to navigate?
0: So if you actually study it, you will realize that there are many, many replacements in the market where you cannot say that, okay, one egg is equal to one tablespoon of this. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, using an original eggless recipe is much better than using an egg recipe and using a replacement. But an original egg recipe will have not just one, but multiple things that react with each other because baking is a science. So for example, if a recipe has vinegar, it might also have something like a curd so that it reacts together and creates that softness. The same thing goes with, say, it might have flax seeds, Uh, so cookies to make them chewy. They add flax seeds and uh, water. They mix them and they make flax egg. They call it flax egg. So that's a replacement. Then you use um, condensed milk. That's a replacement. So there are many, many, many different types. And now there are even little egg replacement powders. Where I don't know what they use in that, but it's 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 sold as a packet called egg replacement powder. Mm. So, although we have never used that, but in the market there are many things. And if you go a little deep into it, you'll realize that maybe 100% is not possible. I still don't know how somebody would make, say, a shoe pastry or an eclair without egg. But people have done it. So, even if one person has done it, you know it's possible. Yeah. It's just that it will take a lot of research to crack, it. to crack it or a lot of yeah. trials. So, we still haven't been able to crack. We've been trying for almost 18 months now.
2: Hmm. Trying we've what?
0: Trying macarons. Mm-hmm.
2: macarons.
0: Eggless macarons.
2: Listeners, if you're listening, if you know something, drop her a note.
0: <laughs> yeah, I she mean,
2: can chime in for her.
0: We've tried with uh, uh, chickpea water. Chickpea water is an egg replacement mm-hmm. because of the amount of protein uh, content it has. So it's all very interesting because it's a science. And that's why some people think that because I know baking, I know cooking. But it's very different. Because baking is a science, it's a it's a formula. You put 100 grams of this and 50 grams of this and 100 grams of this and you know the output that you're going to get. Whereas cooking is by taste. You want a little more lemon, you want a little more salt. Just toss it as per the cook's preference. So, everything is possible when it is scientific. Because at the end, it will react a certain way and give a certain output
2: what else have you said no to as a business one is egg i know one more was fountains hmm. what else have you said no to
0: so one of the values that we're very proud of is that we run an all women kitchen
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it would have been very easy and very fast to scale if we were to hire males also because there are many experienced males, okay. many more experienced male chefs in the market. There was a time when I had put out an ad about uh, hiring pastry chefs and I got a call from a, a chef who works for a very well-known brand and he said, Madam, I hiring hiring And mm-hmm. I was like, sir, we need we need ladies. And he says, ladies? I haven't see the lady in the eight years of experience I've had in the in kitchen. The
2: kitchen yeah.
0: Which is so ironical because in Indian domestic uh, settings, the lady is the one who runs the kitchen, Correct. but in commercial settings, because the hospitality industry is so difficult, hours are so long, Correct. so much physical work is involved, either ladies themselves don't want to be a part of it or the male who's hiring feels that they will not be capable Or society says, okay, this is your marriageable age. This is your uh, time to have a child. And so you can work for two, three years and then please come back and run the household. And so there are many, many factors. And I say this all the time that the statistics in commercial kitchens in India is that 3% of the chefs are women, Mm -hmm. which means you walk into the biggest of the biggest chains And out of 100 people in the kitchen, 97 will be males. And how comfortable do you think those three ladies will be feeling? Whether or not safety is a, a different issue. It may or may not be safe, that environment for them. But how comfortable do you think they'll be feeling in their representation? And so that's why... We said, okay, it may slow down our growth. It may uh, mean that we have a lesser pool to choose from or it may mean that we have to train people from scratch because skilled labor, skilled female female, labor, uh, yeah. female chefs are not there. But we said, no, this is the value that we are going to stick to because I want to change this 3% statistics by the time I finish working.
2: What do you want to change it to?
0: I haven't thought of that, but... Okay. God willing, 50 50.
2: <laughs> what else have you said no to as a business? So, there yeah, are
0: multiple one. things, and I think it comes back to our values. One of the things that, again, would be a very easy route for us would be to use premixes. Now, premixes make your product very cost effective, very cheap to make, and very easy because everything is mixed. You don't need a an educated person or someone who can understand a recipe to actually make your product, then it becomes very mechanical because you simply have to add some water and your batter is made. Versus we have twelve different ingredients in our recipe. We are putting half teaspoon of baking soda, hundred grams of maida, 15 grams of condensed milk, etc., etc. So there are many points of errors, whereas premix makes everything very standardized. Premix also increases the shelf life because it has a lot of preservatives that will make your products stay for longer. And because of that reason, we said no, we will use our own recipes. It's okay if it is more expensive, it's okay if it takes longer, it's okay if we need to pay for more skilled labor to understand the maths of this. But we will not use premixes, and that makes a world of a difference in the taste. And yeah, that was one of the things also that we said no to that we always have the choice to go to. but uh, Till now, it didn't make sense from the perspective of values, Mm -hmm. whereas it may have made sense from the perspective of money.
2: What else have you said no to?
0: What else? Although the opportunity uh, didn't directly knock on our doorstep, but... There's always the choice of getting into more kinds of products. You can do breads because you're a bakery, right? It's, it's an obvious choice. You can do savouries. Um, most bakeries will also have pies and puffs and even samosas. You can have a sit-down type of uh, model. There are 101 different things and if you have a sit-down, then customers will expect that you serve coffee, you have beverage, so,
2: or lemonade. Are,
0: yeah, or lemonade. Yeah, all lemonade. Highly profitable item. <laughs> um, there are always choices that an entrepreneur has, and all of those choices at that point of time seem very lucrative. One of the things that I learned in the Goldman Sachs program was strategy is not what you choose to do, but strategy is what you choose not to do. Yeah. That's what shapes your story, that's what shapes your business and that's what gives direction to your team and yourself to focus on. And that's why we've chosen not to do many things.
2: Why choose the cloud kitchen model when you could be a bakery or have, like you said, a sit-down cafe? Why would you choose a cloud kitchen model? What made you...
0: So, honestly, the first job that I had was at a company called Inner Chef where they had a cloud kitchen. Mm -hmm. And because I started working there, I started understanding the business model. And I understood that as a beginner with minimal investment, it's probably the best thing to go for. As our business started doing better and we had the resources to maybe invest a little more. And also the reach to get walk-ins. Mm-hmm. I considered the retail model for some time. In fact, before the uh, pandemic, we were going to open what we thought was India's first cupcake experience center. Mm. And that's the reason why we got this main room location. That's the reason why we got such a big space because we thought that
2: How big is the space so audience gets an idea?
0: Uh, The space is 1500 square feet. The back portion would be a kitchen and the front portion would be uh, the experience center. However, we were to launch that in March of 2020 and we moved here on March 1st and well the rest is history. (laughs)
2: The rest is before Corona. This is
0: before Corona. We were going to have our launch in the middle of March. We had paid advance for the interiors of the uh, of the experience center. We were getting a really nice thing designed. And then uh, we felt that, you know, something's going wrong. So let's delay the launch by a week.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that week happened to be never. <laughs> because by the next week, there was a first lockdown and we were shut for six weeks. And we just mm-hmm. couldn't believe that what was supposed to be the best time of our lives suddenly became unexpectedly down to zero and our shutters were closed and it it was difficult and then to come back from it when the festive season came we decided that we will have gifting that was shipped across the country and that went really well with corporate clients because the corporate clients said that Mm -hmm. now we don't have our employees sitting within the offices, so we can't take care of the distribution. But if you have an offering that can go to their doorstep, we will buy it from you. And we realized that the market really opened up multifold, because then we no longer have to cater only to Bangalore. Suddenly, pan-India is our geography. And when that did well, then I said, okay, this is what we will stick to. Now we've done it, we know the model, we know that it is also lucrative and that's why we stuck to that. So we, the cloud kitchen model worked well during the pandemic where everybody wanted contactless delivery and then the gifting model with corporates also worked well because it really increased the reach that we had and between that now, between celebrations and gifting, we run our
2: business. You had a lot of logistics issues in the first Diwali. I think this is 2020, correct? Right. Yeah, What are these logistic issues like to a point that you guys got like harassed and not got things done? Yeah. And what did you learn from that?
0: What happened was that uh, this Diwali that I was talking about where our client said that, you know, have to send it across the country. I uh, said, okay, we'll use courier. And I spoke to a few courier people and uh, we basically got in partnership with the wrong people.
2: You know you can name drop wrong people, right?
0: I know, but I don't want okay. to. <laughs> yeah, so, their courier company actually took our stuff. They sat here through the whole production. They helped us with packaging and labeling and uh, you know, putting the shipment labels and everything. And then there were multiple things that went wrong. The number one thing that went wrong was that when they were putting the shipment labels and giving us acknowledgement for that, it was all manual. Mm -hmm. In the sense that we sent 1,500 boxes and we had 1,500 dockets. Which meant that if I have to search for any one of those, I have to go through... 1,500 slips of paper to find one person's name and their tracking number. And I didn't realize that this is not how it's supposed to happen. I mean, in the day and age of a computer, for God's sake, it should just be a control F search on an Excel sheet where you're looking for that name and you can find the tracking number. So that is the first mistake we made. These guys didn't tell us either.
3: That was like a nightmare.
0: That was a nightmare because once we started tracking, we had to go through all those dockets. Then the thing that happened was this courier company did not depend on technology. So by the time that the courier status was updated, it was a few days after it was delivered. So we don't even know whether the item has been delivered or not. Now, if you go to one of these FedEx or Blue Darts, Immediately, the delivery guy has an app and he simply clicks deliver. So he, he enters the OTP that the recipient gives him. And it's done and it's real-time tracking. These guys are saying, oh, you are giving us village addresses and that village will come to the taluk, the taluk will come to the district and the computer is only in the district's branch. So we were calling almost, I don't know how many branches we called ourselves. My mom was calling, my dad was calling, my cousins were calling. The chefs here were calling, we called customers, we said, did you get it, did you get it, did you get it? We would update the status. We don't know whether between when we called them and now, have they gotten it in the middle? So we called oh, more than 1000 people. Then we call the branch people. These branch people are locally from that area. So if it's from Bengal, we would give it to our Bengali chef that please speak to this person and understand what he's saying. If it's from Andhra, we would give it to some Telugu person. And uh, we had instances where the uh, courier boy is saying that, you know, I go to that village once a week because when I go, my cycle gets stolen. (laughs) And so, we would bribe him and say, we'll transfer 100 rupees to you. Please go today and deliver this parcel because it's very important. It reaches before Diwali. they Uh, agreed? Some of them agreed and some of them even had Google Pay. (laughs) (laughs) So, that was, a, that was quite surprising. an experience. Then, the shipments were not getting delivered. And we had more shipments that had to go. They took everything from our place. And then threatened to not get it out of the truck. Uh, unless we paid them. And I said, the ones that you took are not getting delivered. So, what am I going to pay you for? And he said, unless you pay us, we are not taking it out. So, basically, it was blackmail and we had to pay them. And The
2: complete amount.
0: Yeah, eventually, we paid the complete amount but didn't get the complete shipments.
2: Eventually, it was not in this.
0: Yeah. Tried to hold off as much as possible. It was a difficult time, for sure. It was, it was a chaos. It was a mess. But at the end of it, I think we learnt so much that today, our logistics are very, very tight. Very technology driven. We work with an aggregator where everything is tracked. The tracking number goes by SMS to the person, which seems to be the, exactly. very obvious things. Every e-commerce site should have it. There is a company called iCarry. Okay. okay. They help businesses and individuals to couriers and have made everything very easy and, and yeah, it's great.
2: Yeah, links in the show notes <laughs> if you guys or girls want to check it out.
0: That was the story of Diwali 2020. But after that, uh, uh-huh. I, I should assure you that we never had that issue again. Now it's very, very, very smooth in comparison to what it was.
2: One thing that fascinated me uh, about you is that you've been able to scale this beyond the kitchen of yours or beyond the apartment or the small first network, like the hot market, your your WhatsApp contacts. Hmm or your Facebook friends. You've been able to scale beyond that. And I see a lot of young girls and women pretty much boxed into that uh, area where I see... I, I, and I understand at times baking is could be like a seasonal thing where you could just have the jackpot of all, the Diwali, the Christmas and the New Year entire thing and just chill the whole year. But a lot of other women are thinking of doing it through and through the mm-hmm. whole year. Where do you think... Um, they are not able to scale beyond their initial market and their home setup. And what do you think you were able to do differently or smartly?
1: So, there
0: are two types of people, especially home chefs and home makers. One type may be the one who is ambitious and wants to scale. And I think your question is directed for them. But there is a type that sometimes we don't realize well, they don't want to scale. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable where they are. I've spoken to some home chefs who said, okay, I'm just doing this because uh, it's fun. I like cooking for people. But honestly, I don't want to make more than three, four cakes a, a week. I, my children are studying. I want to take care of them. And it's not their primary source of income. It's something they do out of joy and if you give them 10 cakes a day they will say no Correct. they will not stretch themselves overnight to do it so I think the first thing is to acknowledge that some people are comfortable where they are in a niche business and that's fine that's okay as long as they are acknowledging that yes this is where and I this want is to be made, this, is, yeah. Yeah, this is it for me and they are happy doing whatever they are doing then there is a type which is trying Uh, Maybe they're not trying the right things or maybe they haven't tried long enough. There are people who try for a few months and say, hey, this is not working. I'm going to go back to my corporate job.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, obviously, this is not going to pay you in the first three months or six months or even maybe a year as much as a corporate job would pay you. But you have to give it time. You have to give anything time. I really believe when I was in that spot where we had hired a chef, And we barely got orders. Some days we had no orders. And I was telling her that, you know, write down the recipes, put them in an Excel sheet, do the costing. And she was like, this is not why I joined. You know, I didn't join to sit on a desk. I joined to make cakes and she would tell me on my face that I'm bored. And that's the worst thing to hear from your employee because... that (laughs) That hurts. That hurts. I'm bored. You know, that sentence, it hurts. And so... I learned that when you're not baking, you have to be selling. That means you have to be marketing. You have to focus on how can I reach more people. So then we said, okay, WhatsApp groups are one source. But how do we get to more people who look for cakes on Google? Those are the people that we don't know. So I said, okay, we don't have a website yet. We definitely cannot spend on SEO To get our website on top of the list. But what are the websites that come up? Zomato comes up. Swiggy comes up. Just Dial comes up. At that time, Magic Pin was coming up. So you just Google for any business in your industry and see what businesses are coming at the top of your page. And you will realize most of them are aggregators and they are not actually the business themselves. And when they are aggregators, it means that you have a chance to be aggregated by them. You have a chance to list yourself. So we listed ourselves on just Dial, on Magic Pin, on uh, Zomato.
2: It's a good investment.
0: Honestly, it doesn't cost anything. These are free listings. It costs you when you need, when you want to be on top of their list. Their list, okay. When you want to advertise, when you want to put a banner, that costs you. But the listing is free. And sometimes you'll even find that the listing was already there. You just have to claim it to be yours. Make a Google for business page for yourself. Upload the photos yourself. Invest a little money in photography. Put those photos on whatever, your Facebook, Insta, but put it on Zomato. Hmm. So investment of time in those uh, areas really helped us get customers that were beyond my neighborhood. And that was the first time I got a call from someone and I was like, how did you find out? And she was like, I saw you on Zomata. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) did someone just say that? (laughs) And I still remember her. We've made uh, cakes for her daughters for the last four years. She continues to be our customer. She came to my house to pick up the first cake. And now she comes to this place and we have a long history and it's really lovely to make those relationships
2: once you have that relationship it's just predictable business yeah yeah.
0: yeah. then they become part of your network before they were outside then they're your inner circle so yeah that's that's how I think that one should approach it one should really look and say that okay I'm not spending time baking then I'm spending time selling and if you're not doing either then that's a problem if you're waiting for orders to fall from the sky that's not gonna happen
2: you very painful when an employee doesn't
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, align with you like you want them to align.
0: No, she's still here, ah, okay.
2: And yeah,
0: she was uh, She was our first chef. <laughs> and clearly, I didn't keep her board for too long.
2: <laughs> because you got after
0: it.
2: <laughs> you didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah. So now we actually uh, have a different person does that recipe costing and all the things that bored her (laughs) Um, and documents all those things but yeah you need an expert for everything but you need somebody who in the beginning will also do different different things for you when I had gone for my mom's 50th birthday we had gone for a vacation for three days Ipshita who was the head chef she could have very well said that you're gone, so why should I do the things that you would do when you were here? But I left the Dream A Dozen phone number with her. She answered all customer calls. She managed all the deliveries. And today, she manages a team of 7-8 people. That time, she was one person. So, if people believe in you in the beginning, then it really pays off. Of course, if you do well, if you don't do well, then it's, <laughs> it's a risk. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think that's part of everything.
0: Yeah, it's a part of everything.
2: Anything else that those who want to scale, the bakers <laughs> could do?
0: The bakers should, if they can, take a little bit of a leap, go to a space that is outside of your home. Mm. Home is the comfort zone. The Domestic help is coming, washing your dishes also, washing the house, the family's dishes also. As soon as you start paying for a domestic help, only washing your own dishes, <laughs> you will really value how much of fixed cost goes into it. We don't think about, okay, I'm using these four tiles which convert into uh, whatever, 20 square feet of space in my kitchen and how much rent would I give for that or how much of the electricity bill is on me you're not thinking of all of those things or even something as simple as uh, simple as from a mental health perspective to have a different space of work and a different space to just rewind Remind yeah. so uh, yeah I, I think that should be the number one and honestly until there is some fire in your belly like literally fire that I have to pay these bills, and if I don't make that business, then I can't pay those bills. Correct. Until then, you will not like get up and and suddenly be like, okay, I have to sell no matter what. So that kind of fire only comes when you're on your own and you cannot depend on anyone.
2: It's a good stress to have. You it's stress. A good,
0: it's it's a, you should get out of your comfort zone.
2: Fascinating, yeah. There's some early decisions that you took that are really smart. The branding bit. The bit of registering and legalizing things, getting the trademark, getting the website. What other early decisions have really paid off?
0: One of the things that really worked well for us is that from day one, Mm -hmm. I was not alone. I was doing it with a friend of mine who knew marketing. And she's the same one who uh, did it for the cupcake booth. And because I felt that support that, okay, somebody else is also interested in this. Two months into it, we realized that between both of us, it's not enough. So we started looking for interns. One of the things that has worked for us through and through from the beginning is selling our story. Because people really, they buy from people. They don't Mm. buy the product. And the fact that we're young people, girls looking to make a difference. It's not just about a cake. All of that really resonated with people not only our customers but also our own community around us and from that community we were able to pick interns and we had interns who worked with us for such a long time that by the end of their uh, tenure they were like no we don't want to leave like i'm telling you they were unpaid interns and they were like no we are so attached to the dreamer brand we want to be a part of it And then, of course, when we could afford to start paying and things, now we have paid interns. And now some of them have even joined us full-time after they graduated from college. Because they're so attached to the brand. And that decision to hire interns at that time and acknowledge that both of us are not enough to do the amount of work that we need to do was what got us forward. What I'm telling you about listing ourselves on these platforms. Mm -hmm. That was my friend's brother who did it for one month. And we just gave him an internship certificate and he was very happy and we were very happy. Right, these small things, reaching out to bloggers, we literally had an intern for that. We were like, you reach out to Zomato bloggers who can give us ratings and who can taste our stuff. So we had one intern who worked with us for three months just for that. So we had many, many people and even today we continue to have many, many people. We have one person who does only costing, delivery costing and recipe costing. To see our bottom
2: line. Mm-hmm.
0: So we have one person who comes in only to make reels.
2: These are all your interns? Interns. Ooh.
0: Yeah. So, but it's great. It's a win-win situation for them. It's a win-win situation for us. I know making reels is not a full-time job that I need to pay for. But I definitely need something. someone very young who knows the trending music. Like they are way better at it than I am. We had a 17-year-old intern work with us for two months. Best reels I've ever seen. I was like, oh my God, I'm 10 years older than you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But she's the consumer. She is the audience. She knows the trending audios. She knows, uh, she has that creative inclination. And I was very happy to have her and she was happy. And and so, yeah, that, was, that continues to be one of the best decisions that we've made as a young bootstrap business.
2: And how did you get these interns?
0: And tell me just from the community, Community, from the story that we've been selling, from the vision that we've been selling that you want to be a part of this because it's going to be something really big. And then, you know, people, people want to be a part of it. People don't want to be a part of it for the certificate or for the money. They want to be a part of your story.
2: Yeah. You're a fascinating storyteller. Yeah. Doing me sound like a Kumara Knight
3: (laughs) to that LinkedIn guy.
2: (laughs)
0: oh yeah. my
3: god
2: yeah. <laughs> Captain. Very, very possessive <laughs> about this school yeah. oh, this, is, this trend is spread across <laughs> <laughs> so fires kumar yeah. my god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm happy I'm a Carmelite <laughs> there's nobody insisting the only insist is we're not from Mount Carmel we're Carmel school <laughs> that's a girls college Kumar and <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks.
2: <laughs> you know what? I think a good place to go right now would be the values that you've built into the company. What are they?
0: Being honest is something that's very important to me. And even between the team, Having that trust, it's all intertwined. Trust, honesty, communication, transparency. It's all very intertwined. And many times we will find ourselves, and especially myself, I find that it's important as a leader to tell them what's going on. I had a time recently when I wasn't going through a very good phase Mm -hmm. and I knew that they could sense it. I knew the team could sense it because I've always been on top of the game. On top of my game, I've always been very self-motivated. And so when there's a dip in energy, it's very easy for people to tell. Uh, So then I spoke to them about it. And I I think uh, one should...
2: How did you address this?
0: I just literally went and said that, hey, I'm going through a bad phase and this is exactly what's happening. And I told them what's happening. And one could say, hey, it's your personal life. You are not obligated to share all of this with your team. But I really feel like we're a small, intimate team where only 15 people. I don't want them to feel that their leader is not present and they don't know why. They should not feel that it's their fault or I'm too engrossed in something else or anything. And, and they were feeling that. I had a conversation with them where uh, they wanted to actually come to me and tell me that they are feeling ignored. So it was time to tell them and it go? was fine. And they, they, were, they were like, okay, if you need any help, let us know. And, and now it's fine. And so that immediate, the, all that tension that was building up between the team and me, where they were assuming things and I was distancing myself, was not because of any factor between them and me. It was because of an external factor and they deserve to know why. That honesty between the team, or even something as simple as, hey, a cake is getting late, and we're not making excuses to the customer. We're telling them that it's going to be late, it's going to be late by half an hour. Or something went wrong, and we tell them something went wrong. We're not dodging them, dodging their calls, trying to get out of uncomfortable situations. We're being honest, and I think that's why our customers really do value the relationship that they have with us.
1: Also, because there's a lot of human element that
0: we show, even in our social media, we're, we're always showing our faces, we're talking, we're talking about our values, we're talking about the all-women kitchen thing. And they really love that they're buying from people. I think mean, that's the number one thing that comes from Dream Design. I don't know how scalable it will be in the long run. We will try to make this scalable, but at least for yeah. now, this is what keeps us going.
2: I respect and really, really appreciate your honesty to it. To the audience, um, all the links and ways to reach out to Meghna you know, will be in the show description or the notes. So check them out there. Coming to the final question, what is the impact you seek to make with Dream A Dozen?
0: We want to inspire a lot of people to believe in themselves, to chase their dreams, to... Create something that will last longer than their own lifetime. Mm-hmm. To leave a legacy in whatever it is that we are creating. If we are creating moments of celebration for our customers, that itself is something of honor for us. The fact that they have trusted us, the fact that we are celebrating each milestone of life with a product that we've created with our hands that's a privilege and every one of those moments is an impact that we are creating in people's lives during a happy moment to understand and recognize and believe that we're creating happiness in the world we are empowering the girls that work with us to believe that yes we can do it too we had a little team activity uh, two weeks ago where our head of operations, she asked everyone to write their dreams mm-hmm. and everyone in the kitchen wrote that they want to open their own place one day. Mm-hmm. And I would say that one of the reasons that they are writing that is because they've seen that it is possible and to create that sort of inspiration not only within our teams but to anybody watching. And if you believe in yourself, you can do anything that you want. That's it
2: boys and girls go and make some galata